0: Good morning, ACC. Like Cheryl said, I'm Tyler. I'm not Miles. He's uh, away this weekend. And I'm just so excited because truthfully, we really believe that whether it's Miles or Gage or Matt or myself or a different guest speaker, that whoever's coming on the stage is not doing this in and of their own power, in and of their own mindset, but it's through the Holy Spirit that something is going to come out of my mouth to you. So I just want to encourage you around that. I really believe that the Lord's put something on my heart, but I need him to translate that to you. And so I'm excited to be here. Like Cheryl said, um, I'm our youth pastor, so that means I get to hang out with 6th through 12th graders. So if you aren't from Auburn, you don't know. We have like 18 different schools that are students go through from like kindergarten to high school. So people always ask me, is it like middle school, high school? And I'm like, yes, but there's like a bunch of different schools they go through so it's so much easier to say sixth through twelfth graders so if you're watching lake martin birmingham somewhere else we'd love to connect with you if you're a sixth through twelfth grader if we don't know about you we have a couple of zoom groups and different things you can dm us on instagram reach out email me email one of us we'd love to get connected with you but students if you're in the room if you're listening i know you have finals this week and so we got out there if you didn't see it out at the tent we got some donuts we got a little care study package for you go get some of that and some of you don't have finals this week, my seniors. I am, I'm not going to make y'all stand up like we did for the college, college seniors, but I just want you to know, and I want everybody to hear, this senior group that's leaving this year has been unbelievable leaders in the life of this church. Not just our ACC youth youth ministry, but this church. They lead out and students who are younger than them see them worshiping see them leading they're such an example and i'm so excited to see what they're doing so just know if you're a senior in this room we love you i'm thankful for you i'm excited about graduation but i'm sad to lose you so we're going to jump right back in like cheryl was saying we're in a series called the way the way of Jesus. I think this graphic is super cool. I love the imagery of there's a path that we're kind of trailblazing. There's a way that Jesus walked, a way that he lived that we wanna walk in. And as we've been saying, this isn't for the, the super spiritual Christians. This isn't for the top level Christians. This is basic Christianity. When we say you are a Christian, that means you are a little Christ. Like we follow after what Jesus did. So we've been saying three specific things how we break down the way of Jesus. Being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus did. So really, really simple things that we kind of always talk about if you grow up in church, like you've heard us use these kind of phrases. And so it's been cool for me to see as we've walked through this series to hear a different voice saying what the way is. And so we started with Miles and then Gage and then myself and we got Matt Cole coming next week. And so I'm just excited to hear what what is coming as we talk through this, but I just want to encourage us and remind us. Miles, like Cheryl said, talked about being hearers and doers of the word. We don't just want to do one or the other. We can't just do, do, do to earn our way for Jesus. And we can't just hear his voice and say, oh yeah, that that sermon was so good. That podcast was so good. That worship song was so good. But we have to combine both of them. We have to hear his voice and we have to obey what he says. And then Gage had this awesome picture talking through the seven I am statements of John. Things that Jesus revealed as himself. Images and examples of who Jesus is. And he tied those directly to spiritual disciplines. Things that you and I can do intentionally to create space to become more and more like Jesus. And so I want to pick up right there. Becoming like Jesus is something we talk about all the time, but sometimes it's, it's kind of a weird concept. And so truthfully, I always think about this idea, this becoming like Jesus, through the lens of one of those images from, from the I am statements. I love the idea of light and dark, and so I'm always super drawn to Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. And so this phrase has stuck with me for a long time, and I'm going to Connect us back even to Dr. Lowe if you caught that church at home where he's talking about sanctification. Maybe maybe you haven't grown up in church. Sanctification is this word that we use quite simply that means becoming more and more like Jesus. We talk about it in the context of the Holy Spirit working through us. Just like I said, me talking to you means nothing if the Holy Spirit doesn't move. Us trying to become like Jesus doesn't happen unless the Holy Spirit's doing it on the inside of us. And so I love the idea of light. And so in Proverbs 4.18, it says, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, growing ever brighter. To the full light of day. And that phrase, ever brighter, the first time I read that, kind of stuck with me. I was like, well, that's really cool. So, like, shining brighter and brighter and brighter. And then we actually see in the New Testament uh, this connected to us becoming like Jesus. So, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read those verses for us um, that, that Dr. Lowe brought up in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate, and you might have a footnote that says, reflect. The Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so you're like, okay, wait, what does that mean? It's it's pointing back to Moses when he would spend time with God, listening to what he was saying, he'd go back to the Israelites, his face would literally shine to where he had to put a veil over it because they were really freaked out. And the the writer here of Second Corinthians Paul is telling us we don't have to have a veil anymore. We get to spend time with Jesus and actually we want to shine brighter. We want to reflect his glory more and more. We want to shine ever brighter in this context. And so I I just think it's so cool because even right there, that word image, it's the exact same word where in Colossians, Paul says Christ is the image of the invisible God. So in the same way that Christ on earth showed us was a physical example of who God is, we are becoming more and more of that to the world around us. And so Jesus isn't physically walking, walking on this earth anymore, but he's multiplied himself through us. And so I love that idea of shining brighter and brighter. Light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And so I just wanna keep that in our minds as we're thinking through this process, okay? So as we become like Jesus, we're shining brighter and brighter and brighter every single day and it's a process. But the truth is like, we can't become more like Jesus just through 30 minutes every day church one day a week and maybe some spiritual disciplines in the morning are crucial, crucial to becoming like Jesus. But what do we do with the rest of our day, right? Like what do we do with the rest of our day? If we, if we say the way is doing what Jesus did, what do we do if you know, we're not carpenters. That was Jesus' job. Are we all supposed to become carpenters and do what he did? No. But what do we do with that time where we're walking, you're like, okay, I had a great quiet time this morning. You know, I'm, I'm fasting. That's a spiritual discipline I'm doing right now. There was great worship on Sunday and I'm feeling filled up. I'm ready to go. What is the thing that we are walking with as we walk into time with our families, as we walk into vacations this summer, as we walk into our jobs, students, you get to have a break. So as you're walking into a lot of free time this summer maybe, What is the thing that's going to carry us? What is the thing that's making that part of our life the way? Because the way isn't just pieces and parcels and parts of our life. Those things that we've been talking about, spiritual disciplines and church and hearing the voice of the Lord, are things that should launch us into our entire life being part of following the way. And so that's what I want to talk around. I want to talk around what is it that can transform us being at work, us being at school, into part of the way that we're talking about. So, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and hold them up for me. Hold them up. Let's see it. 830 is coming in strong per usual. Okay, leave your Bibles in the air. I'm honestly shocked that we haven't done this yet. But if you have seen the show, The Mandalorian, please leave your Bible in the air. Put it down if not. Okay, so a few Star Wars Disney Plus fans. If my, my friends who are raising their Bibles, you might have been as shocked as me that nobody's made the comment, this is the way, you know what I mean, from, from the series. So that's the first thing I thought when we were talking about this. I'm like, oh, that's such a good show. Um, and then Miles told me he hasn't watched it yet because he's waiting for Aniston to watch it with him, which I thought was super sweet. So go ahead and turn with me to Philippians 2. Philippians 2. If I'm being really honest, I know it's always right around... Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians but every time I look for one of those books I can find the other three but not the one I'm looking for. Um, I know they're all right in that section but I can never remember the order so if you need a minute go ahead and find that. But the verses are going to be on the screen if you can't find it and I'm going to read a few verses so um, we're going to read verse 1 through 11. Chapter 2, 1 through 11. Therefore, all right, if, if you've grown up in church, you know we always need to ask what, therefore what? Therefore what? He was just talking about if you've been saved, basically. Here's how we've been saved. Here's what Christ has done for us. So, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you're confident that you're living in Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself... By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So if you picked up on it, and this is the title of this sermon, in humility. In humility. That's that's what I'm going to put forward to you, being quite honestly, that's what the rest of this talk is about. How I truthfully think the humility of Christ reflected in us is what transforms our day-to-day life into the way of Jesus. And so Jesus is like the embodiment of humility, right? We, we talk about humility and you, you probably have heard this definition before of humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And so in this context, we wanna think about humility is on one side of the spectrum and we can say pride and or selfishness are on the other side, but even more than that, like thinking of yourself more. You see what I'm saying? So it's not, humility is not like, oh, I'm, you know, I don't have it together and I'm not good enough and they're better than me. No, 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 that's self-demeaning and that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is you are putting yourself as less important, your desires, your wants as less important than the desires of others. And so if we really think about this, Jesus became our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Like that's humility. Instead of what would be comfortable and good for him because he is purely righteous, has never done anything wrong, it would make sense for him to stay with all the benefits that would come with that. Like he is God, omnipresent, he's present everywhere, he's all knowing, he's all powerful, He's in perfect unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven. He has no reason other than humility and love for us to degrade himself and become a human. Like he has no reason to take on our sin other than the fact that he cares about two things more than what he wants. He cares about the glory and the desires of the Father and how that can work itself out in the lives of the people he loves. So if, you, if you've never thought about this, sometimes, and this is gonna seem like a total right turn, left turn, my left, your right. Sometimes we think about why did God create the world, right? Like that seems totally disconnected. It kind of seems selfish though sometimes. If we talk about our ultimate aim is the glory of God and he, needs, he wants us to glorify him, we're like, that's kind of selfish. But we forget the fact that God's a trinity, right? So three people, one essence. Like it's not like three different masks of the same person. It's three separate people who are all God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And those three beings are in perfect unity, like they all care so much about the other one that Tim Keller talks about it in his book, Reason for God, it's almost like a a dance. Like, it's a divine dance. Like, the Father and the Son care so much about what the Holy Spirit wants and desires that they're loving the Holy Spirit perfectly. The Holy Spirit and the Father care so much about what the Son wants, and the Son and the Holy Spirit care so much about what the Father wants that they're in this perfect unity to where it's like there's this community of beings perfectly loving each other that their love overflowed to create and share that love to the world around them. And so when we think about the humility of Christ, he is thinking about, okay, what is going to glorify my father in heaven? And what is going to draw people into that dance? What is going to draw them into the fullness of life? And so we see love has nothing greater than this to lay one's life down for one's friends, right? And Jesus, while we were still sinners, while he knew that we would still reject him, while he knew that we didn't care, died for us. Like, and we, we throw this out in church a lot. Like we talk about this, like forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus saying that as he's being tortured and crucified about the people that are doing that to him. And we kind of get numb to that. Like this is what we call the lullaby effect. Like you've grown up hearing these phrases and these stories that we kind of become numb to that power. But I really want you to think about that. Like you are in the most physical, emotional and mental discomfort that you could possibly be under. And in that, you have the wherewithal to be like, not, it's not, it's literally not about me to where it's like, Father, forgive them, they don't even know what they're doing. You see what I'm saying? He went from the highest possible position in all of creation to taking the lowest spot, even when he was right. This is the part that I struggle with. If I was Jesus so many times when the Pharisees are trying to challenge me, I'm like, I would just be like, listen, I know you're trying, but you are so wrong. And just, just stop, please, because this is what's right. I was there when it was written. I actually helped this guy write this part. Like, no, that's, you're so wrong. But Jesus, instead of doing that, instead of putting himself above what's happening, above what needs to happen, he's caring more about the desires and the wants of other people. And so he gave up power and status. He was willing to undergo suffering Like most of the time, humility doesn't actually feel good. Like if we look to Jesus, that's a great example. Most of the time, it doesn't actually feel good. And we'll get to this, but it's totally worth it. So in becoming like Jesus, doing what he did, we're called to imitate his humility, his posture towards the world around us. And so here's the problem. Here's the problem with the fact that each of us individually and collectively are called to be the body of Christ, to reflect the image of God, to become Jesus to the world around us. Here's the problem when we start talking about his humility. You're selfish. And some of you might be sitting here and be like, whoa, he didn't do the we thing. Like he didn't talk about us all together. The reason I didn't do the we thing is if I say we're selfish, all of us, including myself, start thinking about everybody else around us. And I say you're selfish coming from a very selfish person because here's the problem. Even if you've been saved in Jesus, sanctification is making us look more like him. So there's still a part of us that's in our brokenness. That's what we call the flesh. So when Paul talks about the flesh, there's a part of you that is so broken beyond repair and it is going to sin. Its chief aim is nothing else other than its own interests. Like that's the heart of sin. The heart of sin is choosing anything other than God. And so there's a part of each of us that is pushing you, what do you want? What's gonna feel good? What sounds good? What's gonna make you look the best? What's gonna be the most fun? There's different things that each of us prioritize, but there's a part of us that's drawing us into, this is what we want, this is what you should do, this is what we need to look at. And so if we look back at these verses, we see a couple different uh, descriptions, shall we say, of the opposite of humility. Selfish ambition, vain conceit, thinking about those things, there's a lot of different ways to talk about selfishness. But the problem is like most of us sometimes don't realize when we're being selfish. Like sometimes you'll do things that are actually really good out of selfish motives. So I love my wife. I love serving her. Love serving her and our seventh month old. He's seven months today, right? Oh, I just realized that. Today's the 16th. Yeah, seven months today, crazy. I was talking to a mom right before this who's like, it's gonna keep going faster and faster. And I'm like, I've heard that and it scares me because seven months has already gone so fast. Um, but I love serving them. There are times where you know we're getting ready for bed, whatever, there's dishes. And I'm like, no, Ann, it's fine. Like you go get ready for bed. I'll, I'll wash the dishes, I'll clean up. On the surface, it's like, okay, great. Like, you're serving your wife. I am so selfish that on the inside of me, I am, I am one of the more particular people, shall we say? Like, I am like, there's no reason to leave dishes in the sink. Like, just load them. Don't even get me started about soaking. That's not a thing, except in very specific situations. There are a few situations far between when you need to soak anything. Just wash the dish, dry it, and put it away. Then you're done. So inside of me... I'm sitting there being more motivated by feeling good that the kitchen is clean how I want it than serving my wife. You see what I'm saying? Thank the Lord and the Holy Spirit's working to where I'm doing things that are serving her. But what happens when I get in situations where serving her doesn't line up with what's going to feel good to me? You see what I'm saying? And the more that you practice one or the other, selfishness and pride or humility, the more that one is going to start winning. Even if you feel like here's what I should do, the one that we practice, the one that we do over and over again is the one that's gonna start winning. Let's talk about selfish ambition. Do you know how often, and I challenge you this week to start thinking about it, and maybe you're thinking about it right now, how often you are slightly irritated that you didn't get credit for just something that you said? Like you said something casually in a meeting and that developed into a really good idea, and then they use that idea, and part of you sitting there and you're like, that was my idea. They didn't say it. That was my idea. Or even if you know somebody takes your joke and says it to somebody else, you're like, no, 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 I said that, that was me, that was me. That honestly, if we're being really honest, happens to me and my wife all the time. She'll say something funny, kind of chill because she's much calmer than I am, not as loud or aggressive in conversation. And so she'll say something and I'm like, that's funny. And then like 20 seconds later I say it and she looks at me and she's like, are you serious? But think about how often, seriously, you are motivated by yourself looking good. Think about how often when you're offended on some, how somebody treats you, it's way more about how you look, how people perceive you, or your perceived right to be in a position. Do you see what I'm saying? Like how often when we get frustrated with people, there's miscommunication. They might have done something wrong. But still, our motivation is, man, they didn't give me the respect I was due. I didn't get the, the acknowledgement that I was due. I didn't get that spot even. You can be motivated by good things too. Like there is, if we're being really honest talking about Tyler, there is a brokenness in me. God has placed like a desire for rightness and justice, I think in all of us. But if we're talking about the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram eight, we really like when things are right and fair and good and how they should be and we get really mad when it's not that way and when it especially involves us. So there's a good part of that and there's a twisted part of that to the point where I'll be in arguments and I'll be like, here's the deal, black and white, they're in the wrong, they did the wrong thing, I cannot believe that it's happening this way. And if I start to walk that back, it's way more about my justice and being right than it is about the right thing happening in the situation. It's way more about me than it is about caring for the other person, even if they made a mistake. And so we really have to think about, consider, ask the Holy Spirit to show us, Lord, where, where am I being selfish? Because the truth is that that is part of us, that is inside of us, that focus on what sounds good, what feels good to me. And so we really have to think about, Lord, where is that in me? We have to check our motives, and you can think about selfishness in these three categories. Ready? Your schedule, your stress, and your success. I didn't mean for it to rhyme, but it did. So think about it through these three things. If you look at your schedule, I am willing to bet that there are things in each of our schedules that are primarily motivated by your own interests, and that's not always bad, but if we really think about it, there are things that each of us do that are about us, or maybe even our family. Because sometimes we can trick ourselves and be like, "No, no, no, this is for them. Like I'm, I'm helping my family. Really, you just want your family to look good, because then that makes you feel good, like you're more important because your family's doing well." So there are things in our schedule that will show us, like I'm, I'm convinced if Jesus came back and was like, hey, let's look at the, your schedule. Why are we doing this one? Why are we doing this one? Why are we doing this one? There are good things in our schedule and I'm not saying we should throw it all out, but I'm saying we should think about the motives in which we're doing the things that we're doing. And that's why I'm talking about humility right now because I believe that even the things that maybe we're doing completely out of selfish, like purely selfish motives, those things can be transformed by the humility of Christ. Your stress. Nothing is going to show you what you value highly than what you're stressed about. Like, think about what you get anxious about. Think about what you get stressed out about. Like, those are the things that really matter to you. And a lot of times, truthfully, and I hope you're picking up on this dynamic, there is good and bad in most of the motivations and things we do. We just have to learn to separate them and kill the bad part, the selfishness, the pride in us. So if you get stressed, you have a conversation with somebody, and you walk away and you're like, oh my God they're going to think this about me and I said this and I could have said this better and what if they think this what do you actually care about in that situation not clear communication most of the time not that you've empowered them for whatever, whatever y'all needed to communicate, communicate about most of the time if you're walking away feeling that because I do this you're walking away being like how did I come off in that conversation oh what are they going to go say to that person about me think about like if you're stressed, if you're stressed about a presentation or something at work you want to sound good right? Like you want to come up here. I will be so honest as stress about me coming up here and standing can a lot of the times be rooted back to, man, I don't want to trip over my words or people think, oh, just the youth pastor just missed it. No, because here's that dynamic again of good and bad, right? I know that the Holy Spirit's working in me. My real motivation for being up here is what I said to y'all at the beginning. I truthfully believe that the Lord spoke something to me and he's speaking it to you through my voice right now. That almost has nothing to do with me other than me being prepared and being willing to get up here and say things that I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to say. But then there's a broken part of me that's like, oh, I don't wanna sound dumb, I don't wanna sound ridiculous. And so what we have to do is we have to start to pull those two things apart. We have to see where am I being motivated by my own selfishness. Last one, your success. This is an obvious one. This is one that we talk about a lot of times, but it can be so sneaky. And so I cannot speak to every single life stage. I cannot speak to what you value or what you think is important. But a lot of times, good motivations get leached onto by our broken flesh and twist what we're doing. So taking care of our family turns into, I want my family to succeed because then everybody knows that we're succeeding. You know, success at work, I want to sh- I work as if I'm working for the Lord and I want to make money to give back to the church and I want people to see hardworking, a moral and upright person in the work so that people see Jesus. Good motivation, but a lot of times our flesh pulls that into me. You see what I'm saying? So for you, I need you to think about right now and as you're processing this, what in these th- three things is my flesh trying to pull me into? What is my selfishness, my brokenness, my pride trying to drag me into to where the real motive of what I'm doing hasn't become the glory of God or the good of people. It's become my own selfish interests. And so this is like a a tough message. It's like, oh, yes, I am selfish. Like, I care way too much about this. But truthfully, this is better. Like, I promise you it is better this way. If we look at the life of Christ... Scripture says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Like selfishness leads you on a path that only ends in isolation. Like I really want you to think about, think about maybe your most selfish moments. Like as I've been talking, you've been thinking about things. If you follow those things and are motivated by those things to their fruition, I promise you, you might end up with what you're aiming for, but you are gonna feel way more empty on the backside humility thinking more about what others want. Let's let's go back to the scripture. Philippians, what does it say? Having the same mindset as Christ Jesus in humility valuing others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of the others. I want you to think about right now a moment when you were like, no, 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 I was thinking more about what that person wanted than what I wanted. It might have been uncomfortable. You might have felt like you lost something. You still might be in the moment where you're like, eh, I don't really know if it was worth it. But I promise you, it is coming to where it's like, that is the only life that actually becomes life. Because the truth is, if your life is about you, if you're motivated by your own self-interest, you limit your impact to one single person. One, just yourself. Like if it's just about you, you're the only one that you can help. You're the only one that you can empower. You're the only one who's actually going to be impacted by the life that you lived. But if it becomes about other people, if it becomes about the glory of God spreading through you, that light shining brighter and brighter and brighter, you will actually find the life that can be called life. The only life that we can find on this earth is a life given up, a life surrendered. We lay down our lives so that we find life. Jesus said those that that would cling to their own life will lose it and those that lose their life for my sake will find it. And so we see in this example of Jesus, pain, suffering, hardship, ultimate glory. The backside of these verses, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see that in the end, Jesus is exalted, and here's the good news. Three parts of salvation is sometimes the way people talk about it. Justification, the moment you got saved. Sanctification, the part we're in right now, the part we're talking about where we're becoming more and more like Jesus. The backside of that is glorification. The backside of that is this idea, not, not we become Jesus, but Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead. He is the firstborn of the resurrection. We are all his younger brothers and sisters. Like we get to experience that power to where we don't have any sickness, we don't have any death, and so we push to that so that people can see him through us. Humility, walking in humility, is what is going to transform your day-to-day life into a light that will shine in, in the world around you. I'm going to read again John 1, right at the beginning. John 1:1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I read that to make this point. There is one present tense verb in those verses right there. It shines in that last verse. So what does that mean logically? Jesus could have stayed here And walked around to people to say, hey, this is the way that we need to walk. This is the things that we need to do. Look at me like I was humble enough to to be crucified. He could be walking around and telling you all this himself instead of me doing it. But instead, he said, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit comes on you so that then my light can shine through you. That's why John right there says the light shines in the darkness. Present tense. Jesus wasn't on earth when John wrote his gospel. John, we think, is one of the last gospels written. John knew that Jesus was in heaven, yet his light was still shining through the people around him because in humility, we look at others and say, what can I do to empower that person today? What can I do to lift that person up today? How can I serve that person? And it actually, in doing this, you don't lose yourself. You don't miss out. You don't get taken advantage of. In fact, you prop others up. Think about like, Jesus talking about, you know, somebody strikes you on one cheek, turn the other. And and in our culture, we're like, oh, that's kind of like weak. Like you're getting taken advantage of. You're going to get manipulated, all this kind of stuff. No, no, no. There's power in that because I guarantee you, if you do that to somebody or that example or whatever that translates to in your life, that person is now walking away thinking, wait, what just happened in that interaction? They're starting to second guess everything that they're doing. And so The light in our lives, it doesn't shine on you. Though, yes, there's spotlights shining on me right now. The only reason you can see me is because the light coming from right there is reflecting off of me so that you can see it. The light's not coming from me. Like, it's not about me. The light's shining through me to impact the world around me. And the same with you, wherever you are, whether you're in a position of leadership or you're in one of the lowest structural positions at your job or your school or whatever it is, the light shines through you to where every single position, sometimes we think, oh, the person up at the top of the ladder can have the most impact. No, every single person all the way down, whatever structures, wherever you live, whether you're a parent or a child, you shining the light of Jesus, the light of Jesus shining through you is what's going to transform your day-to-day life. So I have two, two quick points, two questions, To walk us into how okay so the first one is create space slash what should you say no to so we've been talking about create create the space like Cheryl said I want to empower you I want to encourage you by asking this question how can you create space in yourself what can you say no to creating space in yourself means where are my motives what are the things I want what are the desires I want and asking God to empty us to put his desires on the inside of us and so what can you say no to? For some of us, that's some of those schedule things that we talked about earlier that we care a little bit too much about. You might have to say no to something. For some of us, it means saying no to working for 24 hours so that we can actually have a Sabbath and rest and hear the voice of God. And some of you, if, if you're sitting here and I said that and you're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't have time to take 24 hours. I would challenge you that you might be thinking of yourself a little too highly. Like, God can do this without each of us. You need to trust him by taking 24 hours off to breathe so that he can work on the inside of you to actually empower you to do more during the week than you were doing before. Like, we don't live in, an, in a base agricultural society anymore, but taking 24 hours off is kind of crazy in their society. Like, in general, if you just said take 24 hours off, that means you might like struggle to have food a couple days down the line. Like it is an act of trust to take space to hear God speaking to you. So for some of you, it's that step. For, for others of you, it's literally taking space. Instead of, you know, that meeting right there in that time slot, you need to create space to be like, Lord, what have I been motivated by today? What do I need you to speak through me? What desires do I need you to change in me? So I don't know what that is for you, but I want you to spend time asking, what do you need to say no to? How can you deny yourself? Second one is joyfully serve slash what should you say yes to? So if we're talking about doing what Jesus did and walking in humility, that might mean that if we look at our schedule, there's nothing on our schedule that's primarily about other people. And I think we're missing out if we're doing that. The church, the big C church, not ACC, but the big C church is primed, is the only organization in existence that is primed because its entire effectiveness is based on each individual person you might think yes a business is that way too but yeah but I'm saying like no one person in the church has outsized impact from anybody else like we need all of us I we need you in your seat We need you in your jobs, in your families, in the places that you walk, the things that you do this summer to think about, how am I gonna be different at the end of the summer? What is something that I might need to say yes to, to serve and impact others? Because if we all start thinking that way, that's when the world's gonna be like, oh, the church is actually the answer to most of the problems that we have on the earth. Like the church, we really are the only ones who can solve most of the things that our world fights about. Like think about most political issues that we argue about, the solution is the church being the church and then there's no discussion. Like most of the time when we're arguing about something or there's conflict or there's pain, Jesus working through his bride, the church, through each of us individually is what's going to transform that issue and change it. And no, we're not gonna do it perfectly. We're not gonna fix everything. We need Jesus to come back. But if we all walk in what we're called to walk in, if we all cultivate humility, we are going to see the world transform around us. And so that's what I wanna challenge you to do. Take those two questions, walk through that this week, maybe talk to your community, talk to each other. Maybe there's some accountability. I know I need people to call me out when it's like, hey, it's okay, it doesn't really matter what they think because it's not about you it doesn't really matter how that sounded because it's not about you. So we have to cultivate humility. And I just wanna leave you with this one last picture. I've been talking about light, because again, that impacts me and that might not be the image that that empowers you, but I think it does for a lot of us. And so Gage read last week some of the verses in the Bible that make me cry every single time. Revelation where it's talking about God will dwell with his people and he's the beginning and the end and there will be no more tears and no more mourning and no more crying. But if you keep reading in that chapter, when it's talking about Jesus coming back, this new heaven and new earth, where all those issues I talked about are fixed, are done, are healed forever. Justice has been served and we are perfectly walking with Jesus. It makes some weird comments where it says, they won't need the sun or the stars because God will be their light and the lamb will be their lamp. Like we're talking about shining to the world around us. There is a day coming where we won't have to shine anymore. We won't even need the lights on this stage because God's gonna walk with us and he's gonna be our light. And so I wanna encourage you. The reason I put that vision out there is that there is hope. There is resolution, there is fulfillment of all of these struggles, all of these challenges as we walk here in humility, as we walk today and tomorrow and next week in humility. If it's painful, if it's challenging, it honestly should be. If you're thinking of things that you can say yes and no to and it doesn't challenge you a little bit, if it doesn't make you a little bit uncomfortable, you probably might not be picking the right ones in that pain and in that struggle, in that suffering, it is worth it because we're experiencing the fullness of life here and we're looking towards the fullness of life forever. And so we're gonna, we're gonna do one, one last thing together. I'm done, the band's gonna come up. You have communion cups under your seat. I think at Lake Martin, they'll be under your seat as well. They're kind of tucked into the corner. So if you can't find them, look around. They might've gotten kicked a little bit. Take one from an empty seat next to you. And so here's what we do. We do communion as an act of remembrance, an act of remembering that Jesus went to the cross for you and for me, thinking fully of us as he did it, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so we drink the juice and we eat the cracker to remember his sacrifice for us. And so I'm gonna pray, and I want you to spend just a couple minutes fixing your eyes on Jesus, because when we look to him, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, we remember that we are called to be the lights to the world around us. And so I'm going to pray. We're going to spend a couple minutes reflecting on who Jesus is and then we're going to worship. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for each person sitting here. Father, thank you that you give us not only an example of humility through your life, through the life of Jesus, but Father, that you empower us to do it. You not only saved us through your sacrifice. You give us an image to look to, but you promised through your resurrection and through your leaving that the Holy Spirit would come in us, empowering us to shine brighter and brighter and brighter to the world around us. And so, Father, as we spend this time, Father, I pray that each of us, I pray for that person right now who maybe knows you but has struggled to hear from you for a long time, maybe the person who's in here and just came to check it out and has been weirded out the entire time. Father, I pray that each of us, Those people specifically would catch a glimpse of who you are, that you are so for us, that you have never failed and you are not going to stop with us. And Lord, that we would see you through this time. Father, that you would challenge us to humility, that the world would see your goodness. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.